I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Today we are looking at loving uh, and serving our Father by loving and serving His children. Because it turns out He really likes that. Really, really, really wants that. And so before we get to that, I want you to take a look at this. No, there we go. Whoop, there, there it is. Take a look at that and just look at it. Don't answer out loud. Which side of that spoon did you first see yourself on? That's a fun question. Which side of that spoon would you rather be on serve-er or serve-e <laughs> because here's the thing here's the thing with each encounter in our day-to-day -day life we choose we choose between the two sides of the spoon we are always every one of us always either consuming or contributing and we won't find that peace that passes understanding in our life until we find our place in a proper balance between the two sides of the spoon. Uh, I've been telling you, uh, hopefully you, you know this, been here a few weeks, you should. I've been saying how God's spirit is like a tugboat and we're the tanker that he's slowly turning you know, with each little bump, each little nudge to which we rightly respond. He's turning us around. Well, I've been saying that, but what I was not aware of is that our, sh our ship apparently has a name. Uh, it's in Ephesians chapter 2. For we are God's workmanship. And there it is. God's, we're naming that tanker. God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And I think sometimes because... Uh, we don't have a firm enough uh, a grasp of this line between grace and works. We don't get a, a, a solid understanding on it. Today we're getting that understanding. We want to really make it clear. For by, and I've been, I've been uh, reciting uh, Hebrews 10.14 a lot. You know, for by one sacrifice he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. God's workmanship. So by one sacrifice, as Paul says, brought, brought near through the blood of Christ, by one sacrifice made perfect forever. God's workmanship, those who are being made holy. No longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. You know, ready to join the family business to display our faith works. That's the family business. Faith works displays all over the world. Because that's how faith works. You are the light of the world. Sometimes you go, no, I'm, not. I'm so dim. I'm, I'm just so dim. No, I'm not. Have you noticed how dark the world is? Okay, so you're a little dim. I guarantee you're the light. You're the light. So let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify or, or give glory to your Father who is in heaven. But beware, beware of practicing your righteousness before others, uh, other people in order to be seen by them. Don't do that, you know, rather than helping them uh, give glory to your father who is in heaven. Because for then, he says, for then you will have no reward from your father. 
who is in heaven. We're spiritual siblings in God's household because we share the same father. You, me, all the other tankers in this world, if you, if you don't know them or if you don't know each other, we're only strangers in the sense of separated siblings, okay? Separated at birth. That's a picture of you and every other believer that you've never met. That's your relationship, though we've been separated. But we all know what happens. What happens when those separated at birth find each other, meet each other? They immediately sense this bond of blood that they share, right? Which motivates them to instantly care about each other and care for each other joyfully. Because we are intuitively motivated to joyfully serve and support others to the degree that we see them as sisters and brothers. A lot of times we really just don't see each other that way. And it doesn't stop with fellow believers. Imagine how your heart would change toward the lost souls that you know around you. If you are suddenly to discover they're a, a long lost sister or a long lost brother, imagine how your heart would just immediately change. So don't get tired of doing what is good, okay? Don't get tired of doing what is good. Why is that in the Bible? Because everyone gets tired of doing what is good. So don't, so don't, don't get tired of doing what, don't get discouraged and give up. Why is that in the Bible? Because we get discouraged and give up. So don't, don't get discouraged and give up for we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. In the meantime, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, to everyone, especially to our Christian brothers and sisters, because we share a unique bond of blood like no other. We're a family, you know? Doesn't matter if you like each other or not, you're gonna have to live together a long time. We're family. Years ago, I love this story, it's so embarrassing. Uh, I was in my office, really needing to use the restroom. It was a number one situation. But I, was, but I was waiting for a, uh, a sister, servant of the church, to finish cleaning the men's room. And my office is right on the other side, so I can hear the cleaning still going on. I'm thinking, okay, I can make it. The moment she finished, I'm, I hear her finishing up, so I walk over by, I'm just kind of watching. The moment she finished, came out, shut, you know, because they leave the door open while they're cleaning, that's the thing. Shut the door, left. I raced in, hurried and went about my business, and she immediately rushed back in right behind me, not noticing me, because in her mind, how could somebody have, because she just went down the hallway, realized that she'd forgotten to do something. No one could have gone in in that amount of time, so she came in right behind me. I look, and she goes to work <laughs> behind me, finishing something up on the sink. What do you do? <laughs> I'm a statue. 
there's no way out of this. I mean, the slightest move, she's going to see me. So I just very, very slowly and quietly recompose myself, slowly turn to her, and very softly say, which is maybe even worse, sure glad we're family. Well, she basically died. She screamed. I mean, I knew she would. How could she not? She just had a heart attack and died. First from the shock, and then from the embarrassment as her realization hit, what's going on? And I just kept saying, we're family. I'm so glad we're family. Because <laughs> that's what we are. And I gladly commend our sister, Saint, to you as a first-rate servant of all us siblings. Just like Paul did. Paul did with one of our sisters. It's in Romans chapter 16. He says, I get to the end of the Romans. I commend to you, to the Roman believers, our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Sincrea. That's uh, Corinth's eastern seaport, the Corinthians, their seaport. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been a great help to many people, including me. That's our sister. She's passed away. That's our sister Phoebe is the first person mentioned in Paul's letter to the Romans. And she is the only one commended rather than greeted which makes her absolutely most likely the one entrusted to deliver what most consider to be the greatest declaration of inspired Christian doctrine ever created. But she's commended to them because that thing was in good hands with our sister Phoebe. In fact, these ruins here that I showed you, somewhere among Somewhere among these ruins, we know that there was an ancient church dedicated to our sister Phoebe. Hmm. I want you to notice how Paul does not say she's a servant of God. Doesn't say she's a servant of the Lord. Does that that's almost, can catch you a little strange, like a servant of the church. Yeah, a servant of the local church in Sincrea. She was a servant there. Because see, by saying she's a servant of the church, he's saying she is both a servant of the Lord and a servant of the church. Because here's the thing. We can serve God without serving in a local church. You guys are heading out to serve the Lord at another place. Missionaries, doesn't matter. There's a lot of ways to serve the Lord in your day-to-day -day life. Doesn't mean you're serving a local church. However, we cannot serve in a local church without serving God. Because whenever we're serving others, we're serving our Lord. And so it hits both. Unless, of course, we're serving out of a sense of guilt or fear and all the negatives, rather than a love and joy and gratitude for God's greater love for us. That's got to be the motivating factor. In fact, in the verses, you know, where he, where he names our ship, <laughs> he names our tanker, in the verses right before he names our tanker, God's workmanship, Paul writes this leading up to it. Uh, because of his great love for us, 
God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive by one sacrifice. Made us alive with Christ. Even while we were dead in transgressions. So keep this in mind. It'll keep you from getting tired of doing good. For it is by grace. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. Just through receiving it. Not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works, okay? Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so I, I want to I really make sure that we, here at His place, of all places, really understand that we are not saved by works. That comes as a gift of grace from our Father. But we are saved for works. And those come by our joyful desire as we come to more and more see our eternal salvation as our most precious and undeserved gift by our all-loving Creator Father. So, so let's read those two together, please. We aren't saved by works, but we are saved for works. Yeah, just bury that as deep as you can inside there. Because that, that's a key to everything. Uh, last Sunday we read this part of what Paul wrote to the Romans. He said, just as you used to offer uh, the parts of your body in slavery to impurity, ever-increasing wickedness, the vicious cycle. So now, offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. I want you to see what you're being offered to take part in here in the family business. Instead of a vicious cycle, we're offered a victorious cycle. We just got to get into it. That's the family business. The victorious cycle of faith works. Because you, I mean, if you were the only one in this room, I would still be saying you. If, I, if no one was in here, I'd still be preaching at me. Because you were created to be an integral part of something much bigger than yourself. You may not see it, you know. But I guarantee from the scriptures that you have been factory loaded by our Father Creator to offer a gift, literally only you can give because the gift is you. And you go, I'm not that great a gift. Well, no, there's more to it than that. It's not just you. It's you transforming into, however slow that process is, this is your gift that only you can give to the world. It's you transforming into a reflection of God's glory. People love seeing that, especially those close to you. Who doesn't like to see someone they know get more loving, more joyful, more peaceful? Therefore, says Paul, therefore I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This 
is your spiritual act of worship. That's what that is, because God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, who said at the Last Supper while he was serving him, who's greater? Who's greater, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? And that is a question that we answer with our actions more than with our words. Jesus says, is it not, meaning in your eyes, in our eyes, the world's eyes, is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. It's like, what do you do with that? You serve. So if we're not growing in serving, well, is it because we, is it because we don't actually believe that the serving side of the spoon is the greater way? Or do we just not want to be like Jesus? Whatever the case, there is a greater reality that we all need to face, and it is this, and I'm going to say it bluntly, you were not saved to sit and wait to be served. Polar opposite, in fact. You were saved to wait on those who need what only you can serve. Offering yourself as an act of worship is very much like tithing. That's a religious word for giving a consistent portion of your income as an offering. Where you, you sit down and you think about it. And then week to week, if you do it right, you know, you think about it, and some people give 10%, some, it doesn't, the percent doesn't matter, it's to be consistent and generous and, and thoughtful. And we do this so that we can do our part to advance God's kingdom. We seem to get that, but we seem to be uh, less inclined to consciously, in, this, in the same way, in the exact same way, to, to consciously, consistently offer on a day-to-day basis, say, 10% of our tongue, or 10% of our time, or 10% of our actions. We don't sit down and go, okay, I gotta try to give 10% of my words and actions today to encourage and edify others, to advance God's kingdom. You know, by growing, bump, 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 in God's glory, by doing some good. It's a pretty simple formula. Right after Paul commends Phoebe, he says, Oh, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. And just an FYI, because it's very interesting, in Paul's day, the husband's name would, would always come first. But Paul puts the wife's name first, uh, which strongly seems to indicate that Priscilla had a much more prominent role, and that's how people knew him. Priscilla and Aquila, more prominent role in ministry with with Paul. He says, they risked their lives for me. That's Christ-like serving and giving. And that can only happen when, when it outweighs our craving for sitting and waiting to be served. He says, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for this couple, you know? Oh, greet also the church that meets at their house. I mean, these guys, they got it going on. Paul met this couple, very difficult time, very difficult circumstances for, for them, for Aquila and Priscilla, or Priscilla and Aquila. Here's just a portion of their story. Uh, a Jew named Aquila had recently come to Corinth 
from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius, the Roman emperor, not a great guy, it was evening. You can hear the crickets. <laughs> because <laughs> Claudius had ordered all the Jews uh, to leave Rome. So everyone sat and enjoyed the evening. <laughs> Uh, he, he ordered him to leave Rome because uh, the, the fighting between the Jews and the Christians. And so that had to be unsettling. Well, literally unsettling. I didn't mean it as a pun. Uh, but that had to be awful, right? Ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them. And because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. So they get kicked out of Italy. Wind up in Corinth where Phoebe's serving at Sincrea. They cross paths with Paul and end up with a, this is during their turmoil. They end up with a church in their house and a ministry in their business, their tent making business. What an example. What an example for us, this brother and sister of ours. They passed away. But when it comes to our faith, yours and mine, when it comes to our faith and our spiritual act of worship as God's workmanship, living sacrifices and all, if all you got is what you got here at church, well, you don't got much. This is one hour a week. Our home and our workplace, as much as is appropriately possible, must be at least as much about our spiritual act of worship as churches. I mean, this is where the training wheels are on. This is where it's easy. Right? This is where we come to encourage each other to get back out in the game. We need to take the training wheels off. If you take them off out there. We need to be willing to risk, if not our lives, at least our vanity and our pride and the praise of unbelievers. At least risk that much. You, you, uh, you get to discover what serving looks like in your life. It doesn't have to be anything formal. You don't have to have matching shirts, but it sure helps. <laughs> doesn't have to be formal. You get to discover what serving looks like between you and the Father. And it doesn't, doesn't have to look like anyone else. But if you find that you have no desire to serve because of a consistent desire to be served, then you need to take a long, hard look at why you're not more and more on the serving side of the spoon. Because Jesus pretty much demands that we follow his example. And, and it's more than that even. He demands that it be our desire to be like him. And, and he came to do two basic things. We're told the Son of Man came to serve, to give his life. Hmm. That's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. A key indicator of maturing then is finding ourselves less and less asking who can meet my needs and more and more asking whose needs can I meet as we die to self and die to sin and die to the ways of this world. There will obviously be times when we're on the receiving side of the spoon. There's, 
There's a balance. There's a balance. But we need to strike that balance in our life. We've got to have the inflow and the outflow. Do you know why? You know why the Dead Sea has no life? Salt. Salt. You know why the Dead Sea has so much salt? No outflow. Only inflow. And with no outflow, the salt of the earth, which is what we are, stagnates and poisons itself. So we need to be really intentional about allowing the Lord to continue turning his workmanship into a living sacrifice by taking the time to turn to others with words of encouragement and words of support as well as uh, the helpful actions and the listening ear and prayers. And so what do you say? We, pra- we really practice being intentional for one week till, till next Sunday. Okay? Let's practice doing something intentional in the way of, you know, encouraging, serving, helping others. Ten times a day. You can do it. Ten times a day till next Sunday. Just take, uh, take ten dimes, okay? Put ten dimes in a pocket and purse, wherever. That's our ten, that's our, you know, one each act, and so it's our ten purse cents. Mm, sorry. Yeah. Oh, you think that was bad? Wait, there's two more. And, and then you move each dime into another pocket. Each time you turn, each time you turn, just a little. You just turn on a dime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you could, if you really want to go through this, you could just double them up, do, do two at a time, and boy, you talk about a paradigm shift. Um, <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff, for that wonderful joke. That's courtesy of Jeff. And at the end of the day, Reflect with dad on what you've done and reset your dimes. Takes effort. I mean, it sounds, it's silly, but it, it's not. Let's do that this week. I'll tell you why it takes so much, more effort for us maybe than most others. Because we are a nation of consumers. If you were raised in this nation, oh boy, oh boy, we are, the, the wind's going against us. We are a nation of, we hold contests to see just how much one human being is capable of consuming. Oh, isn't that adorable? We're we're so precious. I suffer from choice paralysis. It's a real thing. Uh, I'm sure uh, many of you do too. I'm overwhelmed by having too many options. I don't like too many options. You go to buy whatever it is. There's too many. And so I have to try to educate myself, whatever it is. It's like, oh, wow, there's eight different, okay, I'll read. I got to educate myself on the various pros and cons of, you know, frozen burritos or whatever, or whatever it is. And so, uh, for my sake, we have websites and magazines that are committed to training us to be better consumers so we can get the most for ourselves. Because that's, see, that's the problem. I'm afraid I won't get the most for myself. I could just grab one. But what if there's someone that's a little better? I, so I, I, I need, I need, if I'm going to be a good consumer, 
But we all know, I mean we do, we all know at the end of the day that the pleasure of consuming is so fleeting and that truly fulfilling, long-lasting joy only comes when we can give the most of ourselves. We know that. So get a grip on that spoon. There is one God and Father of all. And he really likes when you're good to his kids. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. You know why? Oh, look at the last line. To prepare God's people for works of service. You may not consider yourself a prophet, evangelist, or any of those other things. But raise your hand if you do consider yourself to be God's people. Then that's you. That's you. Which means, in essence, you, if you raise your hand, you have hired me to prepare you to, and, and myself to serve as only you can do. And I love this church because you do that. Because you do that. So let's just, I just want to make sure we're encouraged not to ever allow this church to become what I call an NFL church. That is where a few trained professionals run around in dire need of rest while being uh, watched by <laughs> screaming spectators in dire need of exercise. <laughs> you're part of his place. You're part of his place, which means you're on the team. So get in the game if you're not. Because a huge part of your created purpose is your contribution to our Father's creation. After all, who's greater? Who's greater? The one sitting down, waiting? Or the one standing up to serve? No need, no need to answer with your words. We'll each answer that question with our actions. So get a grip and serve your heart out. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful for your grace. We love you and worship you as your workmanship in, in progress. Holy Spirit, inspire us to be intentional in identifying whose needs we can meet this week. And then embolden us to be deliberate in offering ourselves to meet them. Lord Jesus, well, we owe everything to you for the bond we all share through your blood. And everybody said, Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.